L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. I am Matt. And I'm Ben. We're here with our super producer, Noel Brown. Uh, now, Noel gets a lot of nicknames, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, I, as somebody who has very few nicknames, I'm always uh, fascinated and a bit envious of uh, Noel. So what's his nickname this week? It's Noel Stunphaser Brown. Noel Stunphaser Brown, ladies and gentlemen, that's right. I'd uh, like to point out this is the first time that you've been within arm's reach of Noel. You could reach out and touch him right now. We've never had that before. <laughs> like that personal Jesus song. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Because we are here, ladies and gentlemen, in our brand new uh, digs. The How Stuff Works headquarters has moved, and they didn't uh, leave us behind. No, we tagged along at least. Mm-hmm. We're, they haven't found out that we're here yet. Yeah, at the very least. Uh, we are still kind of looking for Agent Scully's arm, but we can't get lost in the little things, folks. We can't let small things like missing skeleton arms or uh, people possibly stunning us with phasers uh, make us all uh, irritated and worried and angry because if you think about it, there are much, much more important things to worry about. Yeah, large things, things that have that 
hot stuff that sometimes the floor is, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, lava, magma, mm-hmm. uh, and and huge vats of it that are just waiting to explode out all onto you. So on that note, let's begin with this story. Once upon a time, after the Civil War, but before the 20th century, President Ulysses S. Grant was so moved by the natural beauty of this landscape out in Wyoming that uh, he signed a bill creating the first U.S. National Park. Oh, and the first national park in the world. And uh, he created this place for the benefit and enjoyment of the people. And he further declared that timber, mineral deposits, natural curiosities and wonders must be kept in their natural condition. What was the name of this place? That is Yellowstone National Park. All the majestic beauty of it. We did a Coolest Stuff on the Planet episode about this, Ben. That's right. Uh, unless you are a longtime listener, there's something that you might not know. Shh, no. No, Ben. You're not allowed to. Nope. If, if they are really interested, they can find it. But we're not telling them how to find that. All right, man. Okay. You've got it. So, uh, wh- one thing about this, it's, it's a nice story. It, it gets a little airbrush that, uh, President Grant was so moved by mm-hmm. this stuff. Uh, something else happened too. Something else influenced the government's decision here. Yeah, there were lobbyists and geological surveyors that convinced the government that the land was unsuitable for a couple things, farming, ranching, mining, some of the things that you would normally be using that, uh, using it for, for the economy at least. Um, but they also said it would be spoiled by developers coming through because it is this beautiful place. So they went ahead and protected it really soon. <laughs> right, yeah. And now we have this amazing national park. And, of course, you know, nowadays if somebody said for the people in a political speech or in a bill, it might be considered a little bit too uh, politically controversial, you know. Mm-hmm. But let's keep in mind, this was before uh, the numerous red scares that we have talked about on this show. This was before uh, the very strange dichotomy that often arises uh, in a two-party system. Whether- before a lot of the PR really Mm -hmm. became a huge thing in politics. Well, okay, it's always been part of politics, but Mm -hmm. before it was an industry. Yes, yeah, Uh, an industry. That's a good thing to say. But uh, regardless, you know, like the interstate, like the library system, uh, we have a national park system. Uh, We have some stats about Yellowstone just to try to, uh, just to try to articulate how Big this place is because it's massive, right? Oh yeah, it's huge. It covers three thousand four hundred and seventy-two square miles. Yeah, over two million acres. It also covers sixty-three air miles north to south, and then fifty-four miles east to west. Yeah, and most of it is in Wyoming, right? Uh, the, actually, ninety-six percent, uh, but three percent is in Montana, and there's that one percent in Ohio. Oh, the one percent. So when someone talks about the one percenters in uh, reference to Yellowstone National Park, they're probably talking about the small amount of natural wildlife that live there. And there are all kinds of things you can see when mm-hmm. you're there. There are uh, Native American sites, like really old Native American sites, super mm-hmm. cool stuff there. Um, there's the lake, of course, that you see in all kinds of the pictures and video mm-hmm. if you've ever seen it. Uh, there's Old Faithful. 
Oh yeah, yeah, the world famous geyser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's uh the I don't know if I don't I can't remember if Beavis and Butthead went to this petrified forest or not. I think that was in California, the one they went to. Uh-huh. But there's a petrified forest there. Uh and then also thermophiles, those creatures, extremophiles that live inside places that biological life shouldn't exist or usually wouldn't exist. Ah, right, where you and I couldn't hang out. No. Even uh, your favorite superhero action movie star could not hang out there. Yeah, if you can listen to this podcast and understand it, you probably wouldn't be able to live where they live. Now, that's a little bit prejudiced against thermophiles, Matt. We don't know if they ever heard the show yet. It's true. I mean, I, their auditory abilities may be far exceeding what <laughs> I am giving them credit for. Well, thermophiles, if you're listening, please write an email to us. Or, I don't know, maybe you guys use Twitter? Maybe. Anyway, there are also 67 species of mammals, uh, two species of which are bears. Yes. Uh, was it was it Yogi Bear? Is it Yellowstone? Am I making that oh, up? Oh no, I don't remember. It was Jellystone. It was Jellystone. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. Uh, <laughs> Noel is Noel is our expert on uh, all sorts of things, and that is one of those. So yes, it was Yellowstone, just with a slight change. Well, uh, some people would say that is a better name, but I don't know if I would agree. There's a certain poetry to the word Yellowstone. Sure. But uh, these stats, these physical stats, are not the only statistics we have, right? No, no, no. One of the biggest things that you can look at are the number of visitors that go to Yellowstone every year. And if you look at the years from 2006 to 2012, each year over 3 million people visited Yellowstone. Wow. Yeah, that, that's a lot of people. Uh, that are going through, and you know, there, are, I, I don't know exactly how many are in there at any time. I don't know the number, the largest number, but I do know that just with that many people fluctuating mm -hmm. in and out, mm -hmm. uh, the traffic levels, it, there's gotta be a danger to at least tens of thousands of people at any time. Oh, yeah, yeah, just from the play, and we'll get into some of that. So the highest attendance, uh, to record, I believe, and this might be wrong in recent years, but I believe it was a little bit over 3.6 million in 2010. And this is not counting the employees as visitors. No, there are over 4,000 employees, I think. Uh, most of them are working in concessions, so selling food to the visitors. Mm. And that's a lot of people working concessions, although this is a large area. You gotta remember that. Sure. Um, but oh, there are 780 people who work for the park service themselves. Yeah, and, and not all of those would be year-round. As you can imagine, uh, there are seasonal fluctuations in attendance, right? Visitors probably go down in winter, except for the serious campers, and uh, they're probably the same. They're probably a, a larger contingent of people watching for forest fires at different times. So, Ben, I have to say something. What's that? It's feeling a little bit like a... I don't know, Stuff You Should Know episode right now, or maybe History Class episode. Mm, well, those are good shows. Because we're just kind of telling people facts. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, this is not Stuff You Should Know. This is not Stuff You Missed in History Class or Great America or whatever. No, ladies and gentlemen, this is a very different show. So why are we here, Matt? Why are we telling these folks all of this stuff? That's absolutely right, Ben. Yellowstone National Park sits atop the Yellowstone Supervolcano, or Caldera. Right, yeah. A supervolcano is what the name might make you think of. A volcano capable of 
much more massive eruptions than your average volcano, to steal a Yogi Bear quote. Uh, <laughs> we've found some different numbers about how much material is released during an eruption, but it is enough to change uh, the landscape far beyond that, which uh, far beyond the landscape changes you would expect from a, a regular volcano. But a caldera is something a little bit different. Yeah, caldera is one of the coolest things about this. It's a, a huge crater that's formed from a, a previous uh, volcanic eruption. So there has to have been a massive volcano that erupted at one point to even have a caldera there. And that's when the mouth of the volcano actually collapses down and you get this, it's kind of like a valley, I guess, but it has a specific name of caldera because it is a specific thing. Right, yeah, that large crater, it's almost like the um, the footprint or the fingerprint uh, warning, here is a volcano. Yeah. Uh, so some experts and some uh, self-appointed experts uh, fear that Yellowstone may erupt in the near future. So let's talk about where this fear comes from, Matt. What would happen? if an eruption occurred, and why some people believe the United States government is covering up the evidence while preparing, in secret, for the most massive eruption in human history. Okay, so first, this isn't completely unfounded, this fear that people have. Uh, because we know that the Yellowstone supervolcano has erupted multiple times across history, not just once, not just twice, mm -hmm. but three times a volcano. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, that was really bad. No, that was worth it. Uh, so this is over the past 2.1 million years, right? So, yeah, a huge amount of time. But here's what you need to know about these. I mean, this is why it's kind of fearful. These were larger than any eruption in recorded human history. The interval between these eruptions is a long time. This is a good thing. Okay. Uh, 600,000 to, I think, roughly 800,000 years in oh, between eruptions. That's the estimate, right? Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a good chunk of time, so mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's going to be happening within most people's lifetimes. Sure. Uh, very few people even live to 100 years. That's correct, and, you know, humans have only been around for a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, another thing to note here, Ben, is that each of these eruptions triggered... Uh, more or less powerful eruptions and lava flows, so they varied a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess depending on, well, okay, I'm no expert. I was going to go into the the actual amount of magma that's kept in that. There's a pocket underneath the caldera that's uh -huh. con that's just constantly fluctuating. Right. And yeah. And as that changes, it changes the effects that happen above when it erupts. One of the good comparisons for this uh, that. We've all heard before, uh, goes back to earthquakes. You hear about, uh, temblores or, uh, you hear about forequakes or aftershocks, these less powerful, uh, vibrations or seismic events that occur, uh, kind of bookending mm -hmm. an earthquake. So there, this happens as well with some of these eruptions. There are, uh, Lava flows that let you know something's coming, and then there are smaller eruptions afterwards. Aftershocks, shivers from the earth. Ugh, great. It all just makes me want to grasp the floor and the, the wall and just make sure everything, yeah, okay, everything's good. Now, there's one other really important thing, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, when was the last eruption, Ben? Matt, I'm glad you asked. The last big eruption, the last... 
super volcanic eruption. One of the, the big cataclysmic ones was, wait for it, 640,000 years ago. Now, hold on. We said earlier that it takes the interval is something between 600 and 800,000 years. We did. We did. So we're inside that window. We're in the window. We are in the window. And this eruption, which occurred in uh, six, 640,000 years ago, was 2,500 times larger than the Mount St. Helens eruption in Washington. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Back in 1980. Right. Just before I was born. Yes, 2,500 times larger. The world, as you would know it at this time, and keep in mind that after millions of years, of course, the coastline changes, and the, mm-hmm. but the land mass is still kind of roughly analogous. So uh, for our purposes, what we recognize as the United States is just covered in ash. It goes around the world. Ash is falling everywhere. It reminds me of that Skyrim DLC. Um, what's the name of it? You you might have to remind me. I know what you're talking is it, about. Is it Souls theme? Souls theme? Something with an S? Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow, Ben. We've both played it. Yeah. Wow. I feel like Noel is judging us. But anyway, whatever, man. It's a pretty good game. So the... <laughs> He's shaking his head. Like, okay. So the, uh, the things that happen here that are important for our comparison today are that the... United States or this roughly North American landmass that we're talking about is not the only victim, right? No, no, no. Uh, because this, that ash has an effect, right? It's mm-hmm. going to, uh, it's going to do a couple of things. One of them is that it's going to, no, no, the, the ash, that's a huge important thing. That's going to have a lot of effects across the entire world. One of them is likely decreasing temperatures around the planet. Mm-hmm. Not just in the major affected area right near the supervolcano. Uh, climate change, while short-lived, think years or decades, would have a catastrophic effect on crops across the world, mm-hmm. agriculture, especially in the U.S. or North America even. Yeah. And uh, the local economies, if this occurred in the modern day, would be severely damaged. That goes without saying, but whoops, we said it. And locals would likely be forced out of their homes for at least some time. Oh, yeah, there'd be people all across the U.S. and Canada just trying to get the heck away. Mm-hmm. And you can see some more, um, maybe sensationalist is a good word for it, uh, visions, dystopian visions of people forming massive mobs uh, at Canada and in Mexico, scrambling to get into safety, or massive migration to the east coast of the United States would be less damaged. But we do have good news, ladies and gentlemen. The odds are, according to various official sources, minimal. The odds of an eruption, at least. Yes, you can breathe a little more easily now. Huh? In 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 the, <laughs> in the knowledge that the U.S. Geological Survey estimates that the chances are seven hundred and thirty thousand to one that this will occur. Is it in your life in any person who's alive's lifetime, or is that just in just the next in your lifetime? Functionally, See, yeah. you're going to be okay. That That's some pretty darn good odds. You have other things to worry about, right? Uh, well, yeah. but here's the thing. What's the thing? The U.S. Geological Survey aren't the only people putting out numbers. Now, they're probably one of the most reputable groups that you could like take these numbers and go, okay, I'm going to trust that. Uh, d- if you believe that they are sincere, right? Yes. But there are other odds. Oh, yeah. There are others ranging from 10,000 to one. No. Which is significantly greater. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, goes up to a million to one chance. A million to one. Well, I like those odds. And here's another thing while we're playing with numbers. If we look at the power of the past three massive eruptions, we see a decrease 
in overall eruptive power. So we said earlier that the most recent one was 2,500 times stronger than St. Helens, but the earliest one, the first one we can trace, was 7,000 times stronger, and the one after that was 6,000 times stronger. So it may be that if or when Yellowstone does erupt, it doesn't have the force people are anticipating. Yeah, it'll only be 1,100 times stronger. (laughs) Yeah, right. No big whoop. But that, you know, that in a way brings us to uh, an important part of this conversation. Earthquakes and eruptions can be difficult, devilishly difficult to predict. Uh, and sometimes, you know, we've got a side note here. Uh, we don't know if you guys have heard about this, but in uh, 2009, there was an earthquake in Italy called the La Quila earthquake. And six scientists were taken to court because they did not predict it. Yeah. And somebody took him into a room and said, you had one job (laughs) and gave him a talking to. And then, but, but later they were cleared, right? The charges were cleared against them because I mean, come on, doing the best we can, man. So this is a disastrous cataclysmic thing that while probably inevitable in the big picture is also probably not going to occur in your lifetime. Probably. Probably. Likely. That's the official consensus, but that's not the end of the story, is it? No, 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 no. Some people really think that the Yellowstone eruption is imminent, that it's coming any day now, that we're due for it. It's too late. Like, we're already past the due date. We're just kind of waiting for the moment. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a big picture estimate, you could say that because we are in that chronological window now that we are overdue. But I I don't know, because two hundred thousand years, while it's just a finger right. snap in the in the Earth's life overall, it's a heck of a long time for people like you and I and most people listening to this. I would completely agree with you there. The the other thing though is that we've read a lot of places that Some people think the U.S. Geological Survey is a part of this thing, this conspiracy or cover-up of some sort, that they they believe that if if people found out, man, if people found out what was about to happen Mm. in the next, even if it was 100 years, Mm. maybe people would stop having kids, you know? I mean, who knows? You could, you can think about it all day long, all the bad things that would happen. Right. Right. the investment in those areas would tank. Mm-hmm. It's like, why build in a house that's going to burn down or melt? Uh, but then there's another question. If For people who believe in this conspiracy theory, what if the predictions are accurate? What Let's say that the U.S. Geological Survey and the highest ranks of world governments – Canadian, Mexican, U.S., uh, the, the hallowed halls of government know that these predictions say the volcanic eruption will occur mm-hmm. within like the next five years or something. And they say, well, we have to release this information. Well, what if they release the information and because it's difficult to predict these events, nothing happens? L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? 
Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Oh wow! Okay, that's that would be a huge problem as well. What if they believe it's going to happen, but they get it wrong? Then you've lost because then you you have a mass migration beforehand, right, to get everybody out of the areas, right? Yeah. Then all those economies collapse. Then people lost billions of dollars. Yeah, and there are now humans displaced all over the place. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I kind of like the way I said that. Humans displaced all over the place. I know yeah. it's placed twice, but I still enjoy it. Has that. a nice, nice flow to it. Yeah. Now, uh, this this is interesting when, when we say this, and let's fast forward past all of the other points that are valid and and should be made, but 
we already we already know what these are. We've addressed them in past episodes. It's it's difficult to think that this data, which could be compiled conceivably by other people, there's not necessarily a a way to keep seismic data secret that efficiently. You know? Yeah, there are numerous places that are looking at it at all times. Right. And um, the Park Service themselves, uh, they say that they keep a very close eye on it. Mm-hmm. So here, it's, it's also true that it's tough for so many people to keep a secret, right? If this thing mm-hmm. is coming. Now, theorists, however, have presented several, several pieces of evidence about why they believe the Yellowstone caldera may be on the way to big eruption number four. So one thing you should know is that in this area, there are earthquakes almost constantly, but they're very, very small. There is uh, activity beneath the anyone walking around on Yellowstone, beneath your feet at all times. Mm. It's just a swarm, essentially a swarm of tiny little earthquakes because there's a lot of movement. Of the Earth's crust in that area. So in March of 2014, Yellowstone experiences a 4.8 magnitude earthquake, much larger than the usual trembles we're talking about. This, in fact, is the largest earthquake in the park in 34 years. And that's big. Mm. So that at least clues you in that something is happening, right? And that's Mm. what makes a lot of people kind of freaked out because if you don't know a lot about the history of that area, you don't know a lot about, you know, you're not a geologist. Sure. That number and that idea scares you. It scares me a little bit. I mean, it is a scary thing for experts as well. Absolutely. But you can look at it in a greater context than, you know, Joe Schmo, Matt Frederick walking around the street going, oh, God. Um, <laughs> so, but here's the other thing. That came on the heels of a 2013 discovery that the molten magma chamber, this huge thing we we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, it's much larger than we originally thought. It's 55 miles long, 18 miles wide, and maybe as deep as nine miles under the Earth's surface. Filled with magma. Yeah, the bad stuff, the, the stuff that when it's on the floor, you can't touch it. Right. Representatives say that earthquakes in this park are taken very seriously, as we said. There's another piece of evidence. Uh, Some folks reported seeing a herd of bison, a large herd of bison Mm -hmm. fleeing the area. And this went somewhat viral and people were saying, well, can animals predict disaster, which we have a brain stuff video about. The Mm -hmm. answer is yes. Uh, Or is this some sort of hoax? Government representatives replied that this was just a typical migration, that the bison were also, furthermore, running into the park, not out of it. And there are some great articles you can read about this on a website called Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. And uh, Inquisitor had a, had a nice little crack there where they said, well, also, if they were, the bison are smart to run because uh, Native American tribes are petitioning for hunting licenses. <sighs> yeah. They knew. They knew. Another thing you can look up, Ben, and everyone listening, is back in July, a segment of Firehole Lake Drive in Yellowstone, well, you know, just melted. Yeah. Okay. So there. The, this is not the most disturbing thing, but I, I do admit that it sounds like some real end of the world stuff for yeah. asphalt to just start melting into what has been described as an oatmeal-like consistency. That's freaky. That's strange. But Especially if you're the one who discovered it. Yeah. Just oh, driving yeah. along. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> because what what happens then? Your uh, your tires pop, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's hot enough, and you stand up on your car, and then Matt, the game you've referenced earlier yeah. is true. The road is lava, right? Oh, or at least no. you can't walk on it. <laughs> Uh, so, but that's not even the most disturbing thing, man. Here is the most disturbing part, at least in my opinion, is that when asked about this, when talking to reporters about this, park spokesman Dan Hoddle said, this can happen quite a bit because of the hot springs. The same, you guys, the same heat, the same magma powering these hot springs is melting the roads at times. Yeah, it makes you think, maybe we really shouldn't be very near this thing. Maybe human civilization should kind of get the hint and back away a couple steps. And this ties into so many other theories, the idea that these massive internment slash refugee camps are being built in undisclosed locations around the U.S. Uh, You can see pictures of those camps, by the way. You can, and there are theories about what their use is, but this makes a lot of sense to me. This rings true for me, that if there was a major natural disaster that you could have a place to put people Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, we've talked about FEMA camps. We've talked about sure. all this other stuff. And this is the first time that it, for me, it doesn't seem as scary when I think, when I frame it in this way. Oh, I see. Because it seems like working for a greater good. There, Yeah, like there is a reason and a, a, a good reason to have them. Because, um, you know, I go, you know me, Ben. I go through my paranoia bouts <laughs> every once in a while. And have to refocus a bit. So here, here's something else that we should say. Uh, I, I was thinking about this as well, Matt, and I don't know about you listeners, but usually when a government is planning something, they plan for probabilities, for contingencies, right? Mm-hmm. And they order these in terms of likelihood. But I was curious, so I started looking into, uh, I, I started looking into a strange thing that I'd never thought of, which was how far out a governmental agency in history has warned about a natural disaster. Oh, wow. Because we know that, you know, uh, one of the biggest ones in recent memory in the United States, of course, is Hurricane Katrina, mm-hmm. right? And we know that before Hurricane Katrina hit, people were being told to evacuate the city. Yes, um, whether they were being helped to evacuate the city, of course, is a very different story, and we could actually do a Katrina episode. We should. Hurricanes are notoriously difficult to predict, of course, and they had they had this warning based on what we all in the public eye perceived as the quickest available information, the best mm-hmm. they could do. But has there ever been a case where there was an inevitable thing far enough out that the government of any country would warn people? And if so, is there a threshold for that? Would you say you have to move off of this island because rising sea levels are going to drown you, but when? You know, and it's an interesting question that I haven't answered yet. Now, I know that the Maldives, if we're talking about the Mm -hmm. rising sea levels, they have already said stuff like this, appealed to the United Nations, um, but I don't, I don't know about the other stuff. What a terrible, what a terrifying secret to keep. If you thought, I know it, I know an eruption is coming. Yeah. 
but I know it's going to be in the next, what, 10, 15 years. But if or I maybe tell even longer, yeah, or maybe even longer, but if I tell people, then I'm going to go ahead and ruin things, uh, in a similar way that the volcano would. I don't know. And, and listeners, I, to be completely honest, I have no idea. Matt, you and I are not volcanologists. We're not seismologists. We do know that from what we could find, uh, despite the worries, the sources are saying that this is a highly unlikely event up there with kind of like a gamma ray burst hitting the planet, but not near as dangerous as a gamma ray burst. Yeah, it's almost the exact same thing. It's an inevitability, but the amount of time before it happens is unknown and uh while it is unknown it is not it doesn't seem like a pressing thing at least from the predictions and the the solid numbers that we currently have so we would like to we would like to ask what you think here because we know that there are so many again uh there's so many scenario runners right there's so many possibilities with this uh, during times of natural disaster, uh, there is a possibility that the global order of uh, the world in the geopolitical sense shifts. And we're encountering these big questions that at this point, according to what we could find, do not have answers. But we want to know what you think, ladies and gentlemen, will the Yellowstone Caldera, the Yellowstone supervolcano erupt again in our lifetimes and not just, not just something with a, a lava flow, mm-hmm. but one of those cataclysmic biblical level eruptions, you know, blotting out the sky, darkness for days, people dying of, of, di- of some disease called the dust. Oh, you know, man, I don't want to get the dust. I don't want to get the dust either, man. But could it happen? And if so, uh, why Why do you think so? Or is this just all fear-mongering? You know, that's another possibility. It's definitely a possibility. I, I want to stick personally with, and, I, you know, tell me what you think about this, but I really want to stick with the hopefulness with this one because it seems like if I just became... Uh, you know, I can. I have a tendency to obsess with these kind of things, Ben. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew this, um, <laughs> and I just don't want to go there right now because oh, it would be bad. Uh, what is that? I'm trying to think of the movie where the entire planet just starts getting destroyed. It was a Roland Emmerich movie that came out not long ago, but just where the entire oh, it was the 2012 movie mm-hmm. where the entire planet is just falling apart around. And that's what this feels like to me, that kind of dread. And I'm trying not to think about it. Yeah, that's true. I'll check it out. I've yet to see 2012. We can tell you, however, that the predictions for the massive eruption occurring in 2014 are incorrect. Ladies and gentlemen, as we record this, it is February 2015. And I don't know why I emphasize 20, but point is, uh, (laughs) we lucked out. So here's to at least uh, another few years. Right, Matt? Cheers. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, we'd also like to ask for your help. Uh, would you like to suggest an episode that Matt and I can cover in the future? Uh, do you have some listener mail that you would like us to read on the air? And, oh, and there's one more question. I, I almost forgot. Uh, we have somebody who asked a specific question for 
Noel Brown, our super producer, Noel Stunfazer Brown. Uh, and Noel, would you like to hear the question? Surely. Okay. Uh, so we said we were moving to our new office and we said we would, uh, we put some pictures out later, which are on the way. And, uh, Clayton Morrow on Twitter wants to know what does super producer Noel think of all this? So, so what's going on, man? What do you think about this move? It's great. It's a good move. It's a better, better place. Nicer than Buckhead. Yeah, your new place looks nice, yeah. and uh, you're probably going to be making uh, an appearance on uh, this show in in the near future, huh? Yeah. Well, Spoiler. I mean, if, you know, if if nothing else, you'll be able to hear me when I make offhanded comments here because I'm closer to the mics now. That's true, and you are the funniest one of the three of us. We really need to get you a talkback mic. I think that's a ne- like a necessity. We just a little mic that sits right there. So uh, let us know if you have any questions for Matt, Agent Scully, Super Producer Noel Stunfraser-Brown, uh, or myself, or a suggestion for a new nickname for, uh, for our producer. Uh, that's all for us right now. If you have any other things that you would like to send us, please do. Don't hesitate. We don't always have time to respond in a punctual manner, but we do read every email. And our address is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com For more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.